0: Welcome to Tea Time with the Witch Next Door. My name is Taja. My pronouns are she, her.
1: My name is Kaylee. My pronouns are she, they. What tea are you drinking today? I am drinking stash peppermint tea. It is a, it's a solid, solid one. I was
0: very much considering some sort of mint or ginger tea because I've been having just uncomfortable tummy stuff today. Mm-hmm. Then I decided to go with a coconut honey bush, which is one of my faves. It's it's the one that I go to that when it's paired with like a honey or sugar and cream or half and half, it's it emulates having like black tea for me, which is something that I love and is very comforting. But, you know, try not to do the caffeine so much. So I decided to go with something comforting since that was kind of what I was needing Uh, and like we were talking about a little bit earlier just had to turn the AC on because it's warm in my office and I'm drinking hot tea so cheers for drinking hot tea when it's mid-80s outside because that's who I am.
1: (laughs) Yes I know I've tried to switch over to be a fan of the iced beverages and I know there's a huge fan base for iced coffee and iced tea and I and I just can't get into it so. I think I have enough Texas
0: in me uh, from my dad's yeah. side to appreciate, like, you know, like iced sweet, sweet
1: tea. tea. Yeah.
0: Um, but even then I have enough California in me where I don't like my iced tea to be very sweet just because otherwise it gets way too syrupy. During the summertime, I love making sun tea and that I will put in the fridge and enjoy while it's cold. But it's like a very specific tea experience. Otherwise it's hot tea all the way
1: for me. <laughs> And sun tea, I almost feel like, which is, I guess, this is a moot point, but it almost seems like a cold brew in a way because you're not like boiling the water. You know, it's just the sun, right? Is yeah, it's It's literally the sun sun is making tea.
0: Yeah, it does get warm, which you know, so obviously that helps the steeping process. But it's steeped at a much lower temperature, otherwise, and it steeps for like a longer period of time. I think depending on the tea, sometimes I will leave it out for like a few hours and add like a, maybe like a, you know, a little bit of honey and like maybe a little bit of lemon juice, depending on what kind of tea it is. And it's one of my favorite things to do in the summertime.
1: Um, Very much memories of that. Did you do, I grew up with my mom doing that and I just have such good memories of like a Tupperware pitcher, which is probably not ideal. Now that we know what we know about all the plastics, (laughs) (laughs) in the backyard, like all afternoon with a bunch of, Lipton tea strings hanging out the side, you know, and feeling like such a grown up if I got to have a little glass of it. Like <laughs> such good memories. What What do you think was about it that made you feel like a grown up? Because it was like a grown up drink. It wasn't like we had Kool Aid. My sister and I, you know, but, would make like Kool Aid or lemonade. Just kind of is the same feeling I felt with like sparkling apple cider at holidays because the adults <laughs> would have like wine or champagne or whatever we didn't have champagne I'm not that's not my family but they would have alcohol right and like that wasn't a thing so my sister and I would have little fancy glasses of sparkling cider and it just felt so sophisticated and I completely
0: (laughs) am on board with that I remember being so excited especially I think the time I remember having the sparkling apple cider the most often was during New Year's. Not so much for other kinds of holidays, though. I think as I got older, I, I remember that more showing up at other events. But yeah, just like ringing in the new year with my little glass of sparkling cider. And it's I still will sometimes get a bottle just for like the nostalgia purposes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, even with, you know, being able to legally enjoy a wide variety of beverage, beverages now. Did you not have tea a whole lot when you were a kid? Was it was it a caffeine thing? I wonder.
1: Yeah, with the the scent tea for sure. Yeah, we had tea often. My the girls in my family, my mom and sister and I uh, would almost always have tea together before bed. It was like a a thing, um, but it was always you know sleepy time or chamomile or yeah. sometimes we did have a roebus or um, a honey bush maybe. I don't know if honeybush was a thing that we knew about when I was in the, in the nineties. I, I don't remember hearing very much
0: about that, to be honest, like most, most of what I knew and understood was a uh, Lipton or chamomile. Oh,
1: it was 100% <laughs> celestial seasons at our, yes! house, our house. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the boxes had very cute like art on them, which was basically why we chose the flavors uh, was for the artwork when we were growing up. Um, <laughs>
0: I, yeah. I see I see a lot of correlation between choosing the right, choosing the tea that you wanted as a kid based on the artwork on the box to being an adult now and choosing like my wine and ciders, hard ciders okay. by the art the on label. the
1: bottle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did I tell you this is such an aside, like we're on a totally on detour here, but I have to tell you, we went to um Babmo or Total Wine, I forget which one. A few months back, and I don't really drink, but there was a beer called Gummy Worms, and the can was covered in a drawing of the candy, like you know, mm-hmm. gummy worms. And I was so excited to find this beer, and I threw it in the car. It was not at all gummy worms flavor. That was I don't even. It's like a sour, and it's supposed to have like a chewy texture i don't understand alcohol <laughs> at all but i was very disappointed <laughs> very misled by that art whatever
0: beers are very touch and go for me because i just i am not someone who enjoys bitter flavors mm-hmm. i i know folks who are a huge fan of sour beers i haven't had enough of them to really have an opinion <laughs> either way but it takes it takes a very specific beer for me to enjoy I have had the honor and pleasure of having a variety of other types of beers that really verge into some really different kind of territory. My cousin's partner uh, works at a brewery that makes like a lot of really, really cool things. Um, shout out to Bottle Logic. If you want to check them out on Instagram, they're very much worth it. But
1: where are they located?
0: Uh, in Southern California. I, th- okay. I, think they're based, I think they're based in Anaheim. I'm pretty sure they're based in Anaheim. Yeah, they they make some incredible stuff. And uh, my cousin's partner has really an amazing affinity for different flavors. And he has a history as a bartender. So he has a lot of understanding of like building cocktails and the balance that has to go into that. So hiring hiring him, I think was definitely a great decision (laughs) on their part, so. But in general, I still have very touch and go relationship with beer. That's why I I, re- I I remember the hard cider explosion that happened, like, I want to say in the 2000, 2010s, back when the only option was, I think, Crispin and Fox Barrel. And Fox Barrel was based out of Colfax. I had some friends in NorCal that were getting really into hard cider. And that was like my first introduction to uh, if it's not a cocktail, what's uh, what's an alcohol-based beverage that I really do enjoy?
1: <laughs> totally. I have a lot of respect for the um, history and the science around alcohol, but I just don't. I don't like it, and I don't have any kind of an informed opinion because I did not like it Immediately and decided that it wasn't something that I was going to attempt to like. Unlike coffee, which I think the bitter taste of coffee turned me off as a kid. And there was something so alluring. And I guess this is how a lot of folks feel about alcohol. It was so alluring to me that the grownups had this beverage that they were so in love with. And I think maybe because I'm a morning person, the uh, coffee just resonated with me more than I'm not really a night, a night person. I kind
0: um, of, I kind of feel like there's a little bit, well, there's a lot of bit of a cult around coffee. <laughs> sure, yeah. Just yeah. in terms of the identity that goes along with it. And I'm sure you can absolutely make the same argument for tea, but I just, I have a very strong image in my brain of people who are like the, you know, they have their awful coffee mug that says like, don't talk to me before I've had my cup of coffee. I'm just (laughs) like, you know, if you needed an excuse to be a shitty person, just like own that. (laughs) Don't hide behind the caffeine, but (laughs) not that I'm lumping you in with that, in that category. You
1: can lump me in. Um, I, I try and be pleasant. I I really do. And it's not even that hard because I just interact with one other human usually in the morning. But it does feel – I do feel a lot less irritable after I've had a cup or two. But I think that there's – I mean, whatever. There's so many – issues that I have that are worth working on that I'm just like this isn't this isn't a thing we're not gonna fight
0: oh for sure absolutely I mean again if it's something that brings you some peace and contentment that it's like it's not causing harm like
1: (laughs) I don't have heart palpitations yet I try not to (laughs) that's good so yeah
0: what do you think it is I mean what is it about having a cup of coffee in the morning that kind of shifts that irritability or helps you focus for the day.
1: Such a fun question. And as you were asking it, I was thinking, let's do this whole episode just about like mood altering substances (laughs) and behaviors because (laughs) why not? Um, I think I wish I knew a little bit more of the biochem. I know caffeine is a, it makes the blood vessels, it constricts them, right? Mm -hmm. It's a vasoconstrictor and it's a stimulant. I almost feel like there's an analgesic effect with caffeine. I should look into that. So like, if I wake up in the morning, and I feel kind of stiff, I mean, some of it's probably just time. If I just sipped on any beverage within 3045 minutes after waking up, that like early morning stiffness would probably start to dissipate. Anyways, I think that there's definitely some chemical stuff that happens with it. It's caffeine. I also think that there's a huge ritual component for me. I was Same wondering about that. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 So when we travel, which we don't travel often, but when we do, we bring uh, an electric tea kettle and our single cup pour overs and our coffee our ground coffee, because I have an attachment to it. And sometimes I look at it and we talk about this a lot. You and me of like harm reduction and like is this a behavior that's like serving me or is there a level of attachment that would be good for me to work through and this is just one of those places where I'm like "Mm -hmm. no touching don't mess with it (laughs) that's totally
0: fair and 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 I think that like that aspect of ritual is something that is just so valuable for you know, if not a lot of people, everybody in different ways of Mm -hmm. those transitions, just like getting back to our yoga, you know, history and experience. I remember having it drilled into me that the transitions between postures or the transitions between things are sometimes even more important just in how they prepare us for the next thing. And I have never been a morning person It takes me a long time to get going. (laughs) And that's my, when I have to go into the office, especially my alarm is set for so much earlier than I think most people's are. Just because I have to have, even once I am up and out of bed, I have to have a lot of time to just kind of slowly get the motor going. You know, sometimes it's a morning shower. uh, Sometimes it's, you know, some morning movement before like my morning tea and tarot read. Tea again, non-caffeinated tea is a big thing for me. I think it's really interesting the the ways we physically and psychologically have to prepare ourselves for the day and mm-hmm. for some of us like those rituals become really important to the point where you know we plan ahead for trips like you're describing making sure we have those things that are a comfort and something a piece a piece of home
1: yeah you shared i think on our last recording or maybe it was just off record But you shared in the past, like, why you avoid caffeine, and I'm wondering if you might want to reiterate that after I just talked about how (laughs) attached I am to it. I swear, though, I'm, like, two cups a day, maybe three, Mm -hmm. and nothing after noon. I have a decaf instant coffee if I really need the experience of coffee Mm -hmm. in the afternoon. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's partly medical and health. It's also, I think, anxiety and preference related, you know, for, for some of the medication that I'm on and you know, having a faster resting heart rate, it's just recommended that I not uh, consume a lot of caffeine. But I also have other friends who kind of are in similar boats. We take similar medication. We have similar, you know, chronic health issues. And you know they don't notice that much of a difference, whether they are drinking or not drinking caffeine. And so it, it probably comes down to personal preference and knowing your body. I do experience some anxiety related symptoms when I have too much caffeine. I am, I am generally a very calm, low key person. And when I have caffeine to the point where, where I really notice it and it impacts me, I feel anxious, my skin feels tight. I just feel like really, like there's so much anxiety just brimming under my skin, just like clawing and trying to get out. And it's a really unpleasant experience. <laughs> like I, I feel hyper. It's not a kind of energy that I really like feeling. It makes me more anxious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I have to, I just have to be careful. Like there are, st- I will still have black tea every so often because it's something I really enjoy you know, I'm not, I've never really been a soda drinker, but like, I still enjoy like Dr. Pepper occasionally. If I just want to like scratch that itch, like that's really that the only, only that one. I go for.
1: Yeah. The only it's, like, one that I Dr. get. Dr. Pepper's little, great. Yes, exactly.
0: And I know it's a very, it's a very polarizing. I know, <laughs> I know. People either love how like spicy and syrupy it is, or they, or people think it tastes medicinal. Uh, and I get that, but Yeah, it's like sometimes I will have coffee, but it has to be like, you know, with tons of like sugar and cream and more of like a taste experience. I Mm -hmm. do like old brews. Um, I find them to be really interesting flavor and complex and kind of nutty, but caffeine has become more of the treat that I occasionally enjoy also because I don't really feel the need to have it all the time. Honestly, the biggest thing that was hard to let go of was black tea. Uh, Because I really had kind of like, I think people with coffee had come into a ritual pattern of every morning having some sort of cup of black tea, and really enjoying lots of different, you know, flavors and types. So that was a difficult transition, but I pivoted and, and now I have a lot more, a lot more options that I legitimately do enjoy to the point where I don't feel like I'm missing
1: out so much. It's fascinating to me, the variation and how it impacts individuals. And obviously, like the dosage isn't like standardized or whatever. Like it's not like a psych med, but it feels a little bit like a psych med and it's different impact on everyone. Because I think about, I've absolutely overdone it and gotten that jittery, terrible feeling. And I've also had most of the time, my experience is like, it brings me up to baseline and I feel like there's like a mood elevating effect to it. I mean, I guess just purely from like the depressive and stimulant category. Like if I'm in a little bit more of a depressive affect, I, I noticed this when I was in college, having some caffeine very much like having some sugar would improve my mood. Mm-hmm. And there's actually some um, interesting studies with mood and neurotransmitters and receptors and different amino acids, I believe, things like tryptophan and like the, I'll get it wrong, but there, I think it was something about like the amount of receptors or the sensitivity, particularly in folks with disordered eating. There's like Mm a, like almost like a deficit in- receptor availability for tryptophan. So it's almost like there's a sort of like a need for more than most people to satisfy those. I don't understand brain chemistry. I don't know anyone who really truly does, but those attachment sites or whatever.
0: Is that is that specifically in relationship to like restriction and maybe just like the body just screaming at you to get more
1: so I think that they still are working on parsing out is this is this like something that's inherent to the individual before mm-hmm. the behaviors occur, which would precipitate those because I don't it's it's not just right. associated with restriction, right? It's right. Also the but also that. the brain
0: chemistry disorder part of disordered eating.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's very much that chicken and egg thing and then, you right. know the topic yeah, that, that that's I am always Same with, like, digestive issues and disordered eating. I'm a big, like, hey, 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 the digestive issues came first. (laughs)
0: Like, I didn't
1: cause my IBS with my disordered eating. Like, yeah, sure, I didn't make it better. But 100% my behaviors were an attempt at self-medicating digestive discomfort, which then was also probably uh, an effect, of uh, a symptom of anxiety if we just keep you know, following those crumbs back to wherever they lead. Gosh. Yeah. It's a lot to unravel. I know that
0: we both have had, I don't know if we've both had rough weeks, but I know that we're both not like not feeling that great today. And and I think that we've been both dealing with our respective stuff, but do you have any recent wins that you can think of that might be helpful to call out or?
1: Yeah. Oh, God, thank you for asking that. Um, I feel like I am continually working on being more honest and vulnerable in my relationships. And I feel also like I'm, and that's, it's like communication (laughs) Uh and being able to use humor and lightness and Out myself when I'm taking something personally, like instead of punish someone, (laughs) to just be able to say like, I don't think that your intention is for me to take that. Yeah, like okay, so really specific example. I made something for dinner, and I don't remember it was like not Kevin's favorite. I'm the one who does all of the shopping, the meal planning, the cooking, the cleaning, like 100%. So he was kind of negative about it. And I just told him like, you know, it doesn't have to be your favorite. But it does, it does kind of feel crummy for you to be like, critical of a meal that's basically just appear in front of you and that will continue to appear in front of you every night pretty much without you having to do anything so like you don't have to love green beans but maybe you don't have to be a jackass about it but and I used kind of that tone you know with him too and he's like so I'm working on it I'm not 100% there but it was like I didn't get my feelings super hurt and give him the silent treatment or be like fine make yourself whatever you want (laughs) Uh go into those those very easy to go into places and that was a big win and then my other win was hosting Easter which was like a week ago but um still and I was also I was still not I hadn't I had already started to not feel well at that point but I felt like I had enough spoons to source like some cheerfulness that day does that make sense like yeah, and I just felt like, you know, it's going to be easier all around if I can keep my chin up. And it was really cool to identify, like, there's a difference when you have enough spoons to, like, buoy yourself and when you don't, for sure. Yes. And sometimes yes. you don't. But I think sometimes when I don't or when I do have enough spoons, I can underestimate myself and kind of dig myself deeper into feeling worse than like, it's like a little bit of a pity party that happens. Like I didn't, I knew I was cognizant enough to be like, I'm not, I'm not that bad right now. Like there's, I can source internally a little bit of cheer and use that to fuel my day. And I don't have to like rush around like a crazy person trying to get everything done. I can just pace myself wins. Those were wins. Very I long love winded
0: wins. <laughs> <laughs> your wins can be as long-winded as you please. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to gloss over like your wins. I think I mean it's really difficult to, you know, when we have certain protective patterns emotionally for, you know, when we deal with some sort of conflict or something is like hurts our feelings or we have some sort of, you know, friction relearning how to call that out in a way that feels good to us and that can be something compassionate for not only ourselves but also for the relationship that we are trying to foster communication with uh, I mean, it's it's hard you know it's like you know f- feelings are feelings are feelings and you know we we react in ways that, sometimes we don't expect to or out of habit and being able to just start gently or matter of factly calling something out in the moment, I think is really great. It's, you know, I don't, I, I certainly don't perfect that.
1: <laughs> oh, i uh, definitely time. don't again, want to yeah, come off like i perfected this. <laughs>
0: well, I, that's definitely a yeah. poor choice of words because it's like the, the goal is not perfection. It's True. to True. connect, to, to connect authentically and with compassion. I think progress is the better word, or you know, like the the changes that we're that we're hoping for and seeking out, and the ways that we want to be in relationship with people. And I think it's really special that you're able to see that and call that out for yourself. Thank um, you. Yeah. And I told, and I definitely get what you mean about you know the spoons for social gatherings. And I'm curious if you notice for yourself because I noticed this for myself that sometimes it's very hard to tell the distinction between when I do have enough spoons to kind of buoy myself and just kind of relax and enjoy. And when I really don't, (laughs) once I'm in it, then it's just kind of a, Oh no, what have I done?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And those experiences then I think are the experiences that lead me to shortchange myself when I do out of fear of getting in too deep to something that I don't have the bandwidth for because I have definitely done that in the past but it is it's another one of those places in life where I think you're just I personally think I will always be kind of recalibrating and Uh learning through you know trial and error unfortunately sometimes um And then there's other factors, right, that go into those decisions that you make when you do decide maybe it's something that you really, really, really want to do. And so maybe you're not totally got enough for it, but you're going to kind of force it But you're going to go into a deficit. Yeah, you're going to go into the deficit because it's important at
0: the moment for you for whatever reason.
1: And then, you know, the other side of the coin is 100% true with me. Maybe it's something that I really don't want to do. And I probably could (laughs) rally but I'm not gonna. Like that's, <laughs> I think that's very valid as well. I mean, obviously there's discernment involved in that. You know, like uh-huh. my mom is dealing with someone that she grew up with as a grandmother, not not her is her like her step grandma that came into her life a little bit later. Um, but that she's close to is, you know, in the, the last couple weeks of her life probably. And she's been taking time every weekend to drive a couple hours to where this woman is and hold space with her and and visit with her. And she even brought home a dog this week, one of this lady's dogs that she can no longer care for. And it's a lot of shit that she doesn't want to be doing. Like Uh she doesn't, she's not what she wants to do with her weekend right now. And for her, like it is aligned with her values very much to show up right now for this person. Um, I
0: I, I resonate with that very deeply. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's always so many variables involved in why we make those choices.
0: It's a really interesting conversation or something to think about because there's a certain element to spoon theory and managing chronic illness or our mental health where it is very much sometimes we play it as a resource management game of mm-hmm. trying to understand you know what we have in stock <laughs> what you know what we have in our stores and what we can afford to play this round so to try and figure out what we're going to gain back or what we're going to have to spend the next turn but at the same time actual life doesn't generally have right or wrong answers for the decisions that we make for you know whether or not to go see friends and it's like everything obviously has potential consequence but I know for me in my brain I very often get stuck in the thought pattern of what is the right decision to make
1: oh my god (laughs) and
0: and and that ends up tripping me up more than anything else I get so fixated on okay I need to figure out the right play to make for this turn of the game and I'm like that that in and of itself takes a lot of energy to think about but it also I think kind of dehumanizes my own experience and my like my relationships with other people reducing an experience or a potential connection to just the resources, the base resources that, that, you know, that I have or that are there. Definitely something, definitely something that I think about and struggle with. For, for my wins, oh boy. <laughs> I think my, some of my wins are just very straightforward. Like I, I am, I've gotten to a point in my life and kind of settling into the new space and um, getting home from a couple of recent trips and having visitors over I've finally started actively looking to adopt a cat and so
1: (gasps) I know I almost asked when Milo came over (laughs) leave her alone she'll tell you yay
0: So I've submitted a couple applications and inquired about some cats. So nothing, nothing is in stone yet. It's still very much in the, you know, the preliminary stages of looking and, you know, it could, it could take days, it could take weeks, it could take months, just depending on who responds back, who's the right fit, since we do have an existing, you know, cat in our household and wanting to make sure that, you know, whoever we introduce new can hopefully become a friend and a companion. Um, It'll be great. But I'm really excited. I mean, this is something that I have wanted for literal decades and to finally be in a, in a place where I feel like it's the right time to do that for myself is really exciting. I think my other wins are, are a little bit more bittersweet, just dealing with some recent stuff in my life. And I really, I really, really, really appreciated the text that you sent me. sometime. It was yesterday or the day before about doing grief and how, you know, how and how that is a process and a struggle and it is difficult. And that has been such a huge affirmation and reframing of what I'm going through right now of, you know, even when the, the thing that you're going through is not a surprise, it's the right decision. There are still hard feelings associated with that. And actually going through the process and doing grief still is hard. I'm very proud of myself for how I am going through this and how I have really been trying to give myself space to feel my feelings and find the most supportive, compassionate outlets to feel those feelings and go through my grief. I am, I am sure that my feelings on that will change day to day. <laughs> because you can't anticipate any of this and it's, it's not linear. You know, if I think there are way more than five stages of grief and we bounce Mm -hmm. in and out of them all the time, I don't, it's grief and healing is never linear, even though our brains and our society wants it to be. But I I think that is a big one for me. And I have appreciated the ways that I have been able to catch and observe my thoughts as I go through this process and kind of like the bar, some of of the bargaining that I've done, some of the rationalization that I've done. And in the moment, even sometimes being able to call myself out for you are feeling and thinking this thing because of this discomfort or this particular loss. And that's understandable. But the thing that you want to do to fix that is not going to make it better. And I mean, it's, again, this is not an exercise in perfection, but I'm really, really appreciative of, I just, I have, I have so much gratitude in the midst of all of that grief and the shit, the shit that I'm unpacking and going through. I have so much gratitude for the people involved for the situation for where I am now and what I think is going to come from it. It's, it's also repetitive to say, I am, I am grateful for the ability to have gratitude in this kind of situation. Um, yeah. Because I don't, I have not been able to experience that very much in the last, in the last several years, especially. And even in, in previous situations, I see a lot of growth in myself and I'm trying to give myself that, that affirmation.
1: It's right on. Like I got kind of tearful. Um, yay you're getting a familiar every witch yes. gets a familiar <laughs> um, and yeah I think there's like even like the things that I was sharing we were talking about like the right choice it's the same with emotional processing in a way it just made me think of I'm you know I'm kind of a basic bitch and so I like Rumi like every other white lady yoga teacher and there's (laughs) just it's just a thing like we can't help it I don't have a bunch of Instagram like blocks with little quotes or whatever but the poem and the name of it's escaping me but it's like out past right doing and wrong doing there's a field meet me there Mm. and it's just such a good reminder like that we as humans are grasping constantly for right and wrong and reassurance and certainty. And that's not it. It's like so much compassion for a part of me is like, of course, sweetie, like, of course you want to know what the right choice is. You want to be good. Like, that's very human and there's nothing wrong with that. And there isn't a right choice. Mm-hmm. And every choice is right. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean and I know that you know in the midst of our podcast ideas we we, you know we want to do an episode about you know what is harm and is is harm inevitable and Mm. I think I think that the desire to be good and embodying goodness is something that's really deeply tied to that and also something that I think is psychologically associated with like white supremacy and white privilege for sure Um, certainty
1: certainty is a yeah
0: Mm-hmm. certain certainty and goodness and something else that I've always have also thought about a lot is the fact that doing good things does not guarantee goodness
1: right that's not the guarantee you do and, the we, good and thing. we want that
0: yeah <laughs> which yeah. Know, which I think which I honestly I think is also a lot of you know like Christianity in our yep. culture, culture too and yep. I which I don't think it's I don't necessarily think it's limited to christianity in terms of you know religious dogma and it's enlightenment
1: enlightenment thinking as well like there's a lot of good that came out of enlightenment thinking but like the like the whole like i think therefore i am and the idea that there can be like an absolute knowable truth well i also i also think about it in terms of puritans
0: (laughs) i think and and it's it's not universal in modern christianity like my experience with Christianity is very different than a lot of people's. And there's a lot of nuance and a lot of spectrum there. But I do think a lot about how our fixation with goodness comes out of that. And this, you know, almost recipe formula idea. If, if I do X, Y, and Z throughout my life, then there will be, you know, the, the goodness badge that I get at the end of my life. I think that also, instills in us a desire to do that just in general in our lives too. I think that lack of nuance is a big part of what causes us to overlook as a, as a collective and as individuals to overlook the harm and violence that we are a part of. Mm-hmm. Wow. This took a,
1: this took a turn. <laughs> this is, We've been all over. I've
0: not minded that's okay bit of it. Yeah, like, like we were talking about before we started recording, you know, both of us were like, we we had an idea of what we wanted to focus on today and, you know, me dealing with my appetite issues related to grief and anxiety, and I know that you're not feeling well. So we're both like, well, we'll just push play and see what happens. And,
1: and this, this even, is this is what you get. Yeah, and these were this was like the kind of conversations that we would have that led us to think like we should do a podcast. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I thought we might get more organized if we hit record, but that was that's silly. No, I think I think that this is an important point, and it's something that I think about regularly and have not figured out. And it's something that I struggle with in my own like faith and whatever that is for me. I think that there's a lot of potential in keeping our minds open to more mystery and less certainty as it pertains to like being able to avoid judging maybe other people, maybe yourselves as well. But I think about this, I bump up against this in my family of origin, sometimes around sexuality stuff and the mm. Christian family of origin, there's, some resistance to queer sexual identities. I really am like, why? Why Mm -hmm. do you care? (laughs) I had a great conversation with my sister about this because my dad struggles a little bit. He's generally a loving man, but he is very sure in his faith and very sure what's happening after he dies. And no, there's no... Like, don't you, like, he took the whole, like, have the faith of a child teaching real to heart, (laughs) real to heart, and and then just went into, like, a weird, almost, like, Mormon apologetics study of, like, Jesus's life and the documentation and, like, just kind of, like, out there stuff. Like, that's great. Good. Great for you. But, like, why does that become, like, the gates close for any other way? You know, and my sister and I talked about it. My grandma, who was devout Catholic, when one of my cousins came out to her, she told my cousin, more love in the world can never be a sin. Mm. And, yeah, I could cry thinking about that. Because this is a woman who, like, went to church twice a week, you know, prayed for me anytime I cussed. Or, like, she was, like, very devout. (laughs) (laughs) And for her to embrace my cousin like that in such a, like, yes, more of that less of like, well, the Bible tells me. (laughs) It just, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's so much to be said for some more Eastern traditions around letting go of the attachment of the outcome and doing Doing the virtuous thing or the right right thing, if we could know what that was, just because it's the virtuous or right thing, not because it's going to guarantee some certain outcome. Like the reward for doing the right thing is knowing that you're doing the right thing. There's no like, then this will happen. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, that's not for our little... It's what's what's coming to mind for me
0: in, as you're talking about this is how fear and certainty go so hand in hand with yes. a lot of what I would experience as, you know, quote unquote, Western, which and there's problems with that kind of descriptor anyway. But, you know, US, we'll say, mm-hmm. and Western European Christianity, and a lot of sex in terms of the promise of certainty and how that is guided and ruled by fear. And even realizing for me as someone who has not, I, I spent maybe an hour in a church service for a memorial service this last weekend. And I realized I have not been inside a church in a long time, unless, it, unless it was for like a Christmas service, which is like very strictly like a, a nostalgia thing anyway for me. And man, it was weird. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it,
0: it was very weird. So even though I have been very separate from all of that, and even if it was a really big part of like my upbringing and my growing up and and having other friends and family beside me who had differing experiences that were maybe a little bit more heavy handed with the certainty and fear thing, but how much of that is still shaping my experience of my life as I walk through it Mm -hmm. now? you know, as, as a 30-something adult witch that doesn't really think or concern myself a lot with the afterlife, to be honest. I'm like, I mean, whatever happens, happens. Like my my concern and priority is really how I impact people and things now yeah. and my relationships now. But even still, how much of my decision-making and going through life is hinged on what I can be certain and about and what I can control and what things I'm afraid of. And and obviously there's also intersections of this about being a queer woman, about, you know, being someone who tries to continue educating myself on racism and white supremacy and, and, and climate change, environmentalism. Like there's, there's a lot, there are a lot of things to be concerned about for sure. And I think that it's potentially just an inherently human thing to look at all of the scary things, understandably feel fear for that and want to find and reach for things that can provide some sort of level of certainty or control to feel like there is some sort of organization to the chaos. But in the lens of our culture and the very deeply ingrained Christian quote unquote values that folks like you and I have experienced and grew up around, I'm suddenly just like, man, there's so much of how I navigate through life that is still being impacted by that, that I often don't think about.
1: Well, it's, it's same with like diet culture. It's like the water yes. that we swim in. Right. Yeah. And I think about Christianity, I, I find it so tiresome and honestly probably harmful to have this obsession with what happens in the afterlife, and you see Agreed. it not just in not just in Christianity, <laughs> but and then if I like start to psychoanalyze that cultural phenomena, and particularly as it pertains to Christianity and Jesus's death and rebirth, there's like this obsession with triumphing over death which is a natural part of the cycle of life that is not necessarily something that we need to triumph over. But then I think, I think that it goes back a little bit to a massive, massive, massive unexamined fear of death, uh-huh. right? And so, like, I think about folks like my dad who he's – almost like in a hurry to get like, he thinks suicide is probably kind of sinful. So he's not going to do that, but he is not, if it's his time, he's good to go. Like we have conversations regularly about how that's sort of hurtful for your family members. But like, I'm very glad that you're at peace with like, you know, your life being, because, because we don't know tomorrow is not a guarantee for any of us. Right. But like to have such a cavalier attitude about your life is sort of it doesn't sit well with me uh and at the same time it it hinges on this intense certainty and confidence that he is going to be reborn in heaven in like some sort of I don't really know what he he pictures when he thinks of that but I think that it does let you off the hook a little bit from having to Contemplate, like there's a beautiful. I mean, I think it's beautiful. There's a Buddhist meditation where you meditate on your corpse, you Mm -hmm. meditate on what will happen. I mean, and it's not for everyone, maybe not if you're not in the right headspace, but like someday I will not be in here anymore. We talked about this, and I was like, Yeah, your skeleton, your teeth are your skeleton, brushing my (laughs) bones, they're gonna be there. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be there. And like, something like whether you get cremated or not, this, these molecules these atoms are going to decompose uh-huh. and i think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to. i mean we see it in yoga it's like corp- shavasana is corpse pose it's not just symbolic like everybody <laughs> some yeah. of
0: what i think that i'm hearing is kind of a description of spiritual bypassing
1: yes. um,
0: of using the certainty of what will happen to us or having such a strong belief in how something is going to be and how something is that we, we use that as an excuse to bypass either accountability or responsibility or yep. investigation of our experiences and the consequences of our actions in the moment and now. Yeah and it's and it, I think it is a coping mechanism.
1: And lest I come off sounding like I don't use that coping mechanism, I would like to dissuade anyone <laughs> of thinking I am 100% sure I'm spiritually bypassing regularly. We talked about it before we hit mm-hmm. record about like, am I just so Zen and in this level of acceptance with everything? No, I'm dissociating. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. even, even outside
0: of spirituality, you know, I think about, I have had I have had times in my life where I've either had conversations with friends or even as something that I was thinking about myself. You know, if we just label ourselves, well, uh, yes, you're 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 right. I'm just just such a trash person. It's like you know I'm such a bad person, and we say that as a way to. Skip over really wrestling with our actions. Yeah. Uh, like, if we just assume, okay, yeah, we're a bad person and a bad person does bad things, then we don't have to wrestle with the actual ramifications of what we've done on ourselves and on other people. And I think that's the other side of that, you know, good versus bad, like the, the morality binary that is mm-hmm. ultimately being really not helpful. Yes being obsessed with being good and doing good things can make us not recognize hidden violence and harm as a part of that because we're so focused on this certainty goal that is far out when we die
1: well and we're so identified with the idea of us as a good person i mean i think you see this with colonialism right like there's this hyper identification with i'm the good one Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa uh-huh. whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. And, and just, the same like flip side of that, the lack of nuance of just writing yourself off as a bad person becomes right. a, a, becomes a type of escapism. Well, if I just you know embody this personality, <laughs> if I embody this thing, then you know that's just the way it is. I don't have to do any additional digging or searching because it's too uncomfortable.
1: Or then you have the Catholic tradition of absolutions where like I can do whatever I want. And then I'm just going to go to <laughs> Rome and pay the Pope and <laughs> be absolved. And yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways that we get, that we wiggle out of, you know? Yeah. God. I love talking to you so much.
0: I, <laughs> I love talking to you too. I was going to ask as like kind of a nearing the end or final check in, like how you're feeling. Cause I just, I feel I can tell like in just in my stomach feels so much less anxious and unhappy than it was. And my energy is perked up. And.
1: Yeah, I do feel better. I mean, in spite of myself, part of me wants to be like, no, I'm still feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm, and I'm, you can I'm, I'm identifying. <laughs> I'm identifying a little bit with that part, but like, no, yeah. I, I'm going to hop off here and move my laptop to the other room to teach a class. And I just feel like, you know, like, sometimes when you're in your head, you're not actually that centered. You're pretty, like... Yes, yes. Yeah, so I feel that a presents. little bit more centered after being in, you know, our community here. And thank you for being in, in space with me.
0: And, yeah, thank you. Is there anything... I, I, I know you're on your way to transition to, to your class. Is there any closing intention or homework that you want to kind of set for yourself Mm -hmm. as you move on to the rest of your day?
1: Oh, gosh, I forgot to think about that. You go first. Same question. Oh, no.
0: I also (laughs) didn't think about it very much. I mean, I think, I think for me, it's holding true and trusting myself and where I am right now and just continuing to feel what I'm feeling and remember that, nothing is permanent and that includes you know the the times I feel more positive or feel more energetic that includes the times when I'm feeling more anxious and more in my in my sad uh my in my sad cave (laughs) but I want to continue holding space for that um and I think there's a lot of compassion and grace and humanity in that place so that's that's my intention for myself today
1: I like that yeah I would say I'm My intention is to practice self-compassion, including when I'm not practicing self-compassion. Practice (laughs) compassion for the part of me that's being not very compassionate. And I have really been enjoying doing some restorative yoga, restorative stretching before Uh bed lately. It's been even just a 10 or a 15 minute. I don't know this person on YouTube, but shout out to April Walker from Yoga Ranger. He teaches classes where she doesn't talk a lot she gives you a pose she shows you how to use your props and she leaves you alone and that has felt incredibly nurturing for me lately so my goal is to pop another one of those on before I get in bed and read myself to sleep so yeah I love
0: that that's perfect I'm so grateful for you I love you so much I'm honored to
1: continue having these conversations with you I feel like I'm the one who drew the, the good straw here. You got your <laughs> hands full with the edit. I'm just, I just show up, and then you create something out of whatever hodgepodge you <laughs> dish together. I,
0: I genuinely have really been enjoying teaching myself a new skill and the challenge and the creative aspect of putting all this together. So I'm fabulous. I'm very happy to do that. So, all right. Until next time, have a great class. Thank you.
1: Talk to you soon, friend. Talk to you soon.